Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 163, episode 2 of Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Tuesday, December 8th, 2020, 40 some odd days until January 20th. My name is Jack O'Brien, aka Come Along and Ride on a Giuliani Voyage. Die, die, <laughs> melting hair die. I fart on the mic as I tell some lies. Uh, that is courtesy of Official Dickhead, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Oh, Miles shit. Gray! Triumphantly sitting on their behinds, Colbrew drank fidgets, spinning in time, the green light flashes, base soak goes up, learning and churning, the news always sucks, they deftly maneuver the daily landscape. Episodes produced fast with guests that are dank, reckless and wild with hot takes they burn, but their premise is potent as Zeit Gang doth learn. And then, so then, okay, and then we could go, da dun, da dun, da dun. They have the persistence. They have what we need. Jack's not alone, all alone. He's got miles high as fuck on weed. Anyway, shout out to Christy Yamaguchi, man. Always, always love hearing cake. For, especially for a band dork like me playing trumpet and there weren't really bands like vibing with trumpet unless I'd be like oh y'all don't fuck with jazz try saying that as a 10 year old this was a great song for me so yeah yeah I feel like great the song. 80s ruined brass for a little bit cause like they just had that dramatic sexy uh, saxophone always yeah always playing as like yeah. a sax solo and now I mean Herb Albert and like Chuck Mangione like they took trumpet into like it's catchy but mm-hmm. you know, like you're not being like, "Ooh, did you see Herb Alpert? Ooh, mm. like I'm I'm hopping on that the second I see." It. No, no, no. It's it's different than jazz. But hey, you know, we got we have cake though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the well, bats. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented Allison Stevenson. Hi, hello. Welcome back. Hi, hi. How are you doing? Happy done? to be back. Ah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Perpetually I'm good. evolving. I feel like it's you should. You're not allowed to say that you're good, even if it's like the standard thing you have to say. I feel like in 2020, you're just not allowed to be like, yeah, sort of. My God, I'm so good. And it was supposed <laughs> to set off our electric shock collars for asking how are you because we're just <laughs> yeah. like, what's new? What's new? What's yeah, new? Yeah. Anything new? Anything good on TV? <laughs> um. Well, I did. Our, I told you earlier, but I had I did just come back from the hospital a few days ago. Right. Yes. I was uh, here for fun. Yeah, just, just chilling. Just get some, checking it out. Just get some stuff rearranged. Get biologically. <laughs> organic, you knew that. Organ wise. Like, what if my heart was like <laughs> on my this stomach? side? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Doc? No, I had to get my gallbladder removed. Oh shit! Yep. 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 It's a uh, and I, I the. Like even in your description of, I went to the ER and they were like, "Nah, you're good, go home." Which is like, yeah. you know, I've unfortunately had friends have told that to them, and shit went horribly south when they oh, went yeah. home. And I'm just yeah. so glad that despite that happening, and you going back, and another doctor like, "Okay, we got to get your gallbladder out." That oh, you're man. okay. Thank the Lord. Thank the Thank Lord. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I find that uh, gallbladder removal is rarely an elective surgery. It's usually uh, things are going bad at that point. (laughs) We all know I need to lose weight. I was like, what if I just lose like four ounces? (laughs) Right from the the gallbladder region. And the morbid idiot side of me is do you can you ask for your extracted 
biological organs after the fact. I did like, I ask. To go back. Uh huh. I asked, and they said I couldn't. What? Oh, fuck you. I oh, know, right? You. Oh, fuck you. You, t- I, you know, I, I don't want to get into the financials of it, but I'd imagine, you know, that they're going to charge insurance, whoever, whoever, you know, if you or whoever's footing the bill, that's a lot of money. That should come with the free trash right. part that comes with it. I shouldn't yeah. be able to get my gallbladder in a jar or some shit. Would you save it, though? I mean, I know we asked those questions, and even if they said, yeah, you want it, you'd be like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm, I was just curious. <laughs> I would, 100%, I would have saved it. And the little gallstones. Is it yeah. small? Apparently, like, yeah. It's like a teeny little. They oh. like took it out of my belly button. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. I am so ignorant about most <laughs> things medical. And I'm like, you know, I hear anything that's inside your body. I'm like, so that's the size of a volleyball? <laughs> you know, that I actually don't. I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm picturing this. I'm imagining this. it. Came out of my belly button, so I'm just imagining it like the size of a quarter. I think yeah. that mentally that's what I need yeah. it to be. Or at most, the thing Agent Smith pulls on, puts yeah. on Neo's belly button in the matrix. Right, that they pull out. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, I, I have to imagine that was exactly how your procedure went in right. the back of a speeding <laughs> cab. Uh, yeah. yeah, with like some weird laser gun. Like, <laughs> hold on, I've got it. I'm tracking it. We locked on. Wow. That uh, that sounds like a lot, especially the way I'm imagining it. So we're very... Uh, <laughs> We're very happy uh, resilient to guests. have you back here. People, post-op guests who are coming out of medical procedures, people who are battling COVID. So we appreciate you taking the time to even come <laughs> on right now. All right. Well, let's tell the listeners what we're going to talk about, and then we'll get to know you a little bit better, Allison. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Spite Fest 2021. Oh, yeah. uh, that's com- coming at you from the Trump administration. Uh, we're going to talk about Kelly Leffler's uh, debate performance. We're going to talk about how Melbourne, Melbourne, uh, and the state of Victoria and Australia, uh, how they're approaching the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, they, for the past four weeks, have had uh, checking my numbers here zero new cases of COVID nineteen. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about how they pulled that off. Uh, hint: It's exactly what. <laughs> they didn't come up with any new ideas, guys. They ju- they just did the damn thing. Uh, we'll talk about Staten Island, uh, a bar in Staten Island, and its relationship to one Pete Davidson. Uh, we will talk about the new uh, release, the new report on the Havana syndrome uh, that you know is an ongoing story we like to cover. We like to talk about anytime there's new uh, evidence that enters the scene. You got a new that- angle, huh? Got a new angle. Not okay. really, actually, but oh. uh, we'll, you know, still still very foggy, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Allison, we like to ask our guest, what's something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? I recently Googled if uh, hamsters can chew on Palo Santo. <laughs> like for them to, it's, if it's safe for them to gnaw on a piece of Palo Santo. chew toy, yeah. That is the most like is. Silver Lake Google <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. I think if, if you don't know what Palo Santo is, like it's if you've ever if wherever you're in the country, if you have some crunchy friends who are like seemingly just lighting a shard of wood on fire and being mm. like, the vibe in here is so great. Uh, <laughs> Super producer Nick Stump famously kept his control room just just piping with uh, the Palo Santo smoke. So. Yeah. Is it safe though? Here's negative energy. It's it's sagey. Apparently, Palo Santo is canceled though. Is what I've heard. 
Palo Wait, Santo why? is canceled? A like little Saint bit. Paulo? Yeah. The the no, person no. themselves? Oh, okay. Just I think <laughs> like Alto. white people like myself who are like, can my hamster chew on it? Have the <laughs> <laughs> right, like, take I've it back. It. <laughs> take it back. Don't let them have it. We're taking it back. Uh uh. What does oh, it man. smell like when it's burning? Like, is it patchouli-ish? What, what mm, are we looking at here? I would say it here? smells pretty damn good. I think it smells better like than sage. It. I okay. prefer it over sage for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any like place where they're selling crystals is like, That's patchou- like, like patchouli gave way to sage, which gave way to Palo Santo right now. Got so, it. Mm-hmm. you know, go to your local crystal shop if you don't know. That's It probably smells like Palo Santo in there. Mm. Okay. I will do that the second uh, that it, I'm going to make a beeline for that. The second this uh, lockdown is yeah. lifted or like musicians especially love it. I think that's why Nick had it, too, because I've never been like with vibey musicians who if you were playing with them or in a session or like a rehearsal where they were just like, let me just get the Apollo going a little bit. It's like <laughs> yeah, vibe it out. Like, like that's why I, it's such a silver lake thing in my mind, because like so many rehearsal spaces just smell like right. weed, like uh, Pabst and you know, Palo Santo. Allison, how are you uh, enjoying your Palo Santo? Are you like lighting a, is it just like a stick that you light always? It's is literally, it... it's like, do I have it on me? No. It's literally just like a stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most uninteresting thing to see. Smoke comes out. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very yeah, yeah. basic. It smells really good. Clears negative, negative energy if you're into that stuff. But I have a pet hamster and he needed a new chew toy and i was like i'm you know post recovery surgery mode and i'm like well i have palo santo like can i give him that <laughs> here yeah. take that leave me alone <laughs> yeah like give you something to entertain yourself with but i ultimately decided not to even though i couldn't find a straight answer on palo santo specifically mm-hmm. it seemed like it might be too risky of a wood for a hamster what'd you pivot to I ended up just waiting and I, I ended up just waiting and asked my sister to go to Petco for me and she got there you go. pencil shaped wood chew things. Ah. Yeah. Should have experimented with the Palo Santo. Maybe it maybe yeah. would have changed the whole vibe of the hamster. <laughs> so are hamster chew toys just just wood? Is that kind of the <laughs> fancy <laughs> the idea? Up- i could talk about hamsters forever so don't get me started but it's they are very finicky fragile creatures and i don't understand why we sell them to like five-year-olds like that's that's not okay they are actually very high maintenance animals and even like the type of wood they chew is important because some wood is poisonous to them another wood isn't like i think it's like pine is bad for them like stuff like that yeah, like they can choke on some and not on others, or like some are like poison. I don't know. Basically, so yeah, it matters what kind of wood do they chew. Mm. For the record, you know, uh, Allison is on her stenographer's keyboard right now, <laughs> just just taking writing. all that typing you hear is that transcribing like, everything. The minutes uh, <laughs> of this episode, Allison. What is something you think is underrated? Uh, <laughs> I have to think about this because I really don't. I okay. Uh, has has anybody fucking with Pluto TV? Uh, I've seen mention of Pluto what TV in a couple I of places. S- I know the words as a sequence. It's like <laughs> an app for your, you know, your Roku device or whatever, your whatever that shit's called. I don't uh-huh. know. Was that a streaming Smart. device? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
uh, and it's like it's you can watch channels, but all the channels are really specific and it's kind of amazing. Like there's a channel that's just playing uh, MTV's The Challenge. Oh, really? It's just nonstop. 24. Uh, yeah, there's random ass channels that just play like one show or like a genre. Kind of fun. It's fun to also like have channels again where you're like searching through things. Right. Like and going up and down. So when you go to the channel for the challenge, it's just you enter at a place where whatever like rotation they're on, like yeah. everybody's watching it at the same time. You have that's no cool. choice in the matter. You just I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's, that's like gotta how Peacock be is too on certain channels. Yeah. I feel like that's gotta be like a thing that's coming is just back to linear stuff that people can all enjoy together. Oh um, hell yeah. It's too we're sick of having to make decisions. Yeah, exactly. Fuck yes. Yeah. I'm like uh, even like DVR is fucking me up. Like even being like, oh shit, it's Sunday. I'm gonna go turn this on. Like I've completely like cauterized that sensation out of my soul of like yeah. being like thing being tied to a day obviously because of the pandemic like linear time is also <laughs> a bit wonky at the moment uh but i just feel like yeah like trying to even select anything is like the cheesecake factory menu you know at, yeah, by, yeah. like exponent 10 of like overwhelming you know feelings of too much variety yeah cheesecake factory ization of america um, yeah. yeah and look at look at him now begging yeah. for that ppp money I have a nervous breakdown every time I get to the Cheesecake Factory. Just That's why, it. again, I'll say it again. Chicken Littles. Don't even show me the... Just don't show me the fucking menu. I want Chicken Littles. Let's go. That's it? Yeah, wow. it's like they're chicken tenders. But it has mashed potatoes. So the first time I ordered on a date, I was like, see, I'm, I ain't no kid. Same <laughs> fries and chicken tenders. These Chicken Littles with mashed potato, a little weird corn cob stuck in it. But they've named their chicken tenders after the character who... Uh, from from the cartoon, who thought the sky was falling, um, just yeah, to like give it a personal kick. That, so yeah, you but know, you know who you're eating. When we're look, people know other factory goons as we call ourselves. When we pull up to the factory, to the fac, you know, we know what time <laughs> it is. We're just there for the food. We don't look too much into the names, like chief fac. Like um, uh, what are, are they? you all unionized or not yet? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I mean, there's a lot of lot of interesting takes on uni- unionizing within the fact gang, um, but we'll see. Uh, Allison, what's something you think is overrated? I mean, I'm, I really could not think of anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want. I was like, okay, maybe since I'm going on this Pluto thing, we're talking about like I could say Netflix because personally, I'm sick of Netflix. Mm. I can't find anything to watch anymore. That's interesting to me. They took away a lot of the stuff I liked. I just would they take away? Uh, they took away Frasier. <sighs> That's it. <laughs> That's the only thing I watch. Where's Frasier at now? Peacock you know what? Luckily, Frasier is on Hulu. Oh wow. shit! Okay. So I'm just like I'm very ready to be done with Netflix, unless they want to give me a fucking show or something. <laughs> in which case i'm loving it and it's actually the most case, underrated form of television. i'm the joke not netflix all right yeah oh <laughs> hey. yeah i don't it's it is like netflix is almost now just is like almost like what hbo became where it's not so much about like what's on there but the thing that only they make right, um, right. where i'm like oh shit right that's only on yeah. netflix versus before you'd be like oh put netflix on it's got everything now i'm like fuck that like 
I don't even like my cue anymore or like my list that I've put together. I'm like, ah. I don't think I've touched my cue in like three years. It's just oh, like yeah. stuff I have the, that I was interested in I have when the, I was a um, child. The literally from six years ago, the follow up documentary to the Brazilian film City of God, like the 10 year anniversary retrospective documentary, like talking to the child actors from it. I was like, oh, this shit's dope. And that was in 2014 that I put that in a queue. <laughs> yeah. Have not watched it. Yeah. I've got that Orson Welles documentary and the new Orson Welles, like the color of the wind or whatever, uh, <laughs> at the top of my thing. And I feel like stuff you put to the queue is things that you're like, oh, I should watch this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's aspirational. But yeah. that's a, a a black and white movie by Orson Welles that people were like, it's pretty good if you're an Orson Welles completist is a real uh it's a real stopper, apparently for me. Every time I see it, I just like get a little anxious and move on. Oh, um I uh well, we have those we have those pieces of content. But yeah, my cue is that documentary, The Family. Which, like, I know, like, I'm not going to be surprised by anything I see in it. So I'm like, whatever. If I get to it, I get to it. Uh, and then Black Godfather, because my grandpa used to hang out with that dude. And my grandpa and my dad was like, Yo, you should check that out, man. There's a bunch of, uh, just now that the top 10 lists, year-end lists are coming out, it seems like a lot of the movies that people are putting on their top 10 list are just, like, documentaries that I've never heard of. <laughs> Cause oh, really? Yeah, a bunch of like wild documentaries came out this year uh, because nobody was like, we got to wait until the box office comes back for these. Yeah. Um, streaming Oof. is sort of their nat natural environment. So maybe we can do some Doc Rex later. Yeah, man. On. Tiger King, bro. Yeah. That's <laughs> one. one that... with a bullet. <laughs> exactly. That was when the um, nation was most united. Yeah. We were, it was like the the early days of the pandemic when we were just like, this is fun. Well, it's, it's yeah, kinda... it's that part of the cartoon where like the character goes off the cliff and gravity yeah. hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, ha ha, wow. Uh, look like, at the oh, view from oh, up here. Oh. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> then you're like, oh no, no, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And we've been, uh, since the election results seemed to solidify around a Biden victory, um, we have been wondering what, what his inauguration is going to look like, and particularly uh, what the president, the current president, the former president, the lame duck, President Trump, is going to be doing at that time. It's pretty un unheard of for the president not to be there hand, handing power over. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet it's impossible to imagine <laughs> him doing that. Nope. Despite what even Lindsey Graham has been saying, like, cause you know, Lindsey Graham's even, you know, he's got to play the part of just sycophant, but also like trying to like wink at like a reality based people in the political world. Like, oh, but I, I get what's going on too, but just, just <laughs> I'm kind of going through it right now. So just bear with me. Um, he was saying, quote, if Biden winds up winning, yeah, I think he should attend. Like doing the same thing. Like, yeah, if he ends up, he is he did wind up winning by like over eight million votes now uh, and counting. And quote, he says, uh, "quote I just think it's good for the country. It'd be good for him." Mm -hmm. Okay, right. Lindsay. Cut to what we were t speculating from the beginning about what will happen if Donald Trump loses. It's 
called fuck out of here. I'm going to do my own counter programming on the exact same day because I'm spiteful and petty and I have nothing else going on for me. And that's where we're at. Um, they're, they're, the rumors are flying now. Quote, the tentative plan would involve Trump departing on Marine One before flying to his primary resi- residence of Florida for a 2024 campaign rally. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was never he was never gonna be there. He was always gonna do his own fucking thing and uh, completely ignore what's happening in DC. Uh then when they reached out, I think Axios reached out to the White House to be like, okay, what's going on? We're hearing a lot about this. Um, this is what they this is uh, from the White House spokesman Judd Deere saying, quote, anonymous sources who claim to know what the president is or is not considering have no idea. When President Trump has an announcement about his plans for January 20th, he will let you know, which uh, to me just says, yeah, yeah, he's doing that shit, except he'll get mad if any of us leak it before he can put that shit on Twitter and then see the likes come in because that's kind of his whole thing now. Mm. Um, Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this could be the beginning of sort of what we had speculated might happen which is like trump is the shadow president who's just there undermining everything that the actual administration does the entire time and is basically for all intents and purposes like giving marching orders to the you know chunk of the country who still supports him and thinks he got robbed it's not as big of a chunk as we think it is right yeah it's going down for sure going down so well, yeah, you can only stay so angry at things you can't prove for a while. Like, yeah. I get, like, the do- people who lost their manufacturing jobs and still have that energy for immigrants. Not that I say it's reasonable or rational, but, like, you can at least point to data in your life and say, I'm still unemployed. My existence is not what I think it could be. I have this anger to now be redirected into xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this shit, there's nothing aside from, like, if unless you're purely we're just on that train of, like, this can't be happening. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to to look every day and be like, well, there really isn't shit for me to sink my teeth into. Like from right. a, from a place that's really going to inspire sincere outrage. Um, aside from just taking an L in the culture war. Yeah, for this to be happening around the whole like Nexium like buzz or whatever, when that whole like it just it felt so much like wow, this is a cult. Like this is how people in cults think where no matter what you throw at them that's like fact it's just like no i sorry my leader says opposite yeah yeah it's i think it's it's also like those scenes in like cult films where like the cult like it starts off as like this non-cult thing but as it starts turning into the cult like they start shedding the like reasonable people who are like oh i don't know like i think okay y'all do that and they're like see the non-believers are gone and then it's like accelerating and i think we're in that stage now where it they're shedding people like not that they're going against the Trump campaign, but they're less inspired by like what the programming is when they tune in. Right. Um, so NBC will presumably be covering this instead of the inauguration. <laughs> if we if we're if we learned anything from the actual twenty twenty presidential campaign, though I mean do you think he's I mean, I know that sure he says twenty twenty four to like keep the momentum up, but like we've seen, like he what he already raised like 180 million off the backs of his stop the steal nonsense, where three fourths of the money donated can go to whatever the fuck he wants. Like it's stipulated in those donations. So I don't know if this is truly to that he has the energy or he just knows this is the best way. This is the best marketing ploy to get more asses in the seats. 
uh, right. for whatever is going to happen on January 20th. Energy doesn't seem to be the thing that's going to stop him. He seems like, you know, the thing that makes him so toxic as a human being is also the thing that drives him, which is like the gaping, sucking wound where other people have souls. Like that's the thing that is just driving him. Just a vacuum. Yeah, just like so much pain that like he is not acknowledging and like that apparently uh, works <laughs> as like a internal combustion engine of just grief and like all, all the human feelings that the rest of us have that he is not acknowledging and are just like being disintegrated. Uh, Maybe we and- just need like the ghost of his dad to be like, look, I'm proud of you. Look, I fucked up, kid. If I could have done <laughs> yeah. it differently, I totally would have, man. I should have been there for you, and I wasn't. And I, it, it eats me up in hell every day. It does. <laughs> but you know what, buddy? We'll be together in about 14 hours. So <laughs> see you then. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like he's using the arrogance as the steam to power his dreams. Yeah. Um, as one Kanye West once said. But yeah, it, it is. I don't. He definitely needs the cheers. And as long as that's going, he'll just say whatever he has to. But there was, a, I think it was in the New Republic or Mother Jones, like they were pointing out like one theme about a lot of his speeches throughout the last four years was how he would always lament about his old life. Right. Um, how like good very it used publicly. To be. Yeah. And like how he was just like, you know, maybe I should just go back. You know, I had a lot of good stuff there. Like, I don't know why I do this. Like if that, maybe at some level that thinking will also overtake him where it's like, he likes the optics of the confrontation, but deep down, doesn't he just want to like swing his golf club all day and just yeah, yell at yeah. a TV and not have to lead? Yeah. At the same time, like he, I think that's part of his narrative, right? The central like myth that they're trying to build around his presidency that like he didn't need to do this and he mm-hmm. like he actually was didn't want perfectly to at successful, all. Successful, was to, having yeah. so much fun. And then, but like for, in terms of the things that feed, his like poisonous uh soul i feel like the just you can't beat the public attention that he's gotten like no human has uh gobbled up the sheer like mass of attention and human like willpower and um thinking that he has and that is like the ultimate execution of a narcissist right like of a narcissist fantasy is to be the center of attention like I, I feel like that's probably gonna prove to be a pretty toxic, um, or pretty like attractive uh, potion for him to just give up cold turkey. Do you think he can jump the shark, so to speak? I in mean, his like attempt at you know, like like any any uh, operation that is about staying relevant or keeping interest of people that are watching. Like there'll always be that moment. It's like, oh, okay, you did all. You didn't have to do all that. Right. But it's so weird to think because his whole presidency is, oh, you didn't have your, you, you shouldn't be doing any of this. Um, but I don't know if there's like a moment where it becomes a little too much for everyone involved. Eh, I, think it'll, I, I, I think it'll definitely have trouble like unifying the message and all the attention around himself like he did when he was the president. It's like still wild. Every time I think about the fact that like he, was the president still is the president it's pretty wild so that was like a big part of like the unprecedented just like yeah. uh fusion machine of like what what he released drove his a rise. song with lil pump yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be that could be hey, coming for sure hey where my hose at all right thank <laughs> you. Diss track, a biting oh. diss track. 
God. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, like with the way the liberal media is, like Joe Biden have some pretty good ghostwriters. Right. right. <laughs> Trump would only have little pump. Because yeah. even I mean, would Wheezy sign up for the for the clapback? You know, because he's already been like, Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when people speculating about that was a difference, like fifty didn't like Wheezy must have got a check since yeah. he, he posed and everything. So, eh. oh. oh yeah, they all I think basically all of them got checks. Um, that was part of the strategy, which is mm. just like the most condescending, shitty strategy. Sell um, your soul to another soulless peddler. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about Kelly Leffler. Is that how you pronounce oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she had a debate over the weekend that was, I actually didn't watch it. I just saw the sort of ripples from it on social media. I think most people did, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it seems like it was just a, a great uh, performance of being just out of touch with reality. Yeah. I mean, this Georgia, these runoff races are, again, the focal point of American politics, because if the Democrats win both, then they can control the Senate, you know, and then you have Kamala Harris being the, the tie breaking vote, as Mike Pence was um, this last administration. So everyone's like, oh, fuck, what's going on there? You know, John Ossoff and, and David Perdue is one of the races where Perdue has been just thoroughly fucked up in like the debates before while Ossoff has done really cool things to let progressives down by being like, I'm not really here to defund the police or Medicare for really anyone, but uh, vote Ossoff. Um, So, you know, you have that going on and David Perdue has now just declined to debate at all. Like Ossoff goes up against an empty podium now when they have debates. Kelly Leffler, on the other hand, she's, she's got her head in the in the Wall Street clouds or something, but because she still is debating Raphael Warnock in their race. And I just want to let you know, like for people who don't who follow like we, we you hear us say the name, you know, Kelly Leffler is under serious scrutiny right now for all of the stocks, like millions of dollars worth of stocks she dumped when she caught wind of the pandemic hitting. Like she was briefed on it and she goes around and suddenly like sell, 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 sell. Right. Um, like, you know, and got the jump on any other traders. Um, and just to keep another thing in mind, she's also the, I think the wealthiest Senator ever. And her husband is the chairman of the fucking New York stock exchange. This is, this is the fucking group that we're dealing with when we talk about Kelly Loeffler. So the absolute fucking rot that is, you know, the representatives in our government are just these corporate wealth hoarders who want to put a mask on and pretending they're a working person and be like, I'm fighting for you. So this debate. I don't think anyone thought she was going to have do much of anything impressive because she's been on the stop the steal nonsense, et cetera, et cetera. So this one was just sort of like one of those moments where you just see like a person who I don't know, like she just took a handful of greed pills before she went on the stage because her performance has no soul um, and she lies so casually um, like like in a time when the fucking stakes could not be higher for her constituents or anyone in this country right now. So let's start off with um, this first moment where she's just they're They're asking her, hey, what you think? You think Trump lost? And she pivots into socialism bad. Senator, did you believe the, the election was rigged? Look, Greg, it's very clear that there were issues in this election. There are 250 investigations open, including an investigation into one of my opponent's organizations. You know, 
for voter fraud. And we have to make sure that Georgians trust this process because of what's at stake in this election. You know, the, the promise that Chuck Schumer made was to fundamentally change America. And I'm making sure that we don't go down the road of socialism. Okay, so again, did the, did the president lose? Socialism. But also, you kind, of, you kind of winked there because you said everything's at stake, meaning that Trump isn't president. And if you lose the Senate, then the right. libs will be drinking your tears, so to speak. So, you know, all right, that, that's one way to put it. Then moving on in the debate, what's kind of cool is that they get to ask each other questions, like rather than have a moderator do like there are moderators that ask questions, but also they can ask just pointed debate questions to each other. So Raphael Warnock, you know, a fucking a pastor who, by the way, Kelly Leffler has been to his church and sat with him on like MLK Day and things like that, while she also was like, he's a radical, blah, blah, blah. OK, mm. check yourself, Kelly. Um he asks her just sort of fundamentally, like, yo, where are your priorities at? And again, really not great answer from her. You dumped millions of dollars of stock uh, in order to protect your own investments. And then weeks later, when there came an opportunity to give ordinary Georgians an extra $600 of relief, you said you saw no need and called it counterproductive. Why do you think it's counterproductive to help ordinary Georgians in the middle of a pandemic? Well, thank you for that question, because I've been completely exonerated. Those are lies perpetrated by the left wing media and Democrats to distract from their radical agenda. Since I got to the Senate, I've worked hard to deliver relief to Georgians during this pandemic. OK, so she goes on and just waffles. But yeah, I've I mean, never that's seen. That's not true, right? That she's been she was, exonerated no, at no, all. I don't know where that even came from, aside from literally just saying that out loud. David Perdue is also running ads saying he's been completely exonerated. It's like, dude, you're under investigation. Yeah. Like, there's not, there's nothing even remotely resembling exoneration for you. So, again, very casually, oh no, like, just, I don't know what this is, like, what's the in indication is here. Like, you get to a certain point where, like, you just know, like, it doesn't matter what I say. I just have to go up. And if I don't get too fired up, I'll just lie. And then everything's all good. The yeah. dead eyes are are noteworthy. We're we're actually sharing your screen and why and watching it. And there there's just a like and a smile though on top of it. It's right. She yeah. has this like tight lipped smile when he's asking the question and then she goes into the answer and like nothing changes from the nose up. It's just the eyes are like lifeless. I yeah, because it's they're just it's like Quint when he's talking about the USS Indianapolis going down. Dull, lifeless eyes, <laughs> like a doll, <laughs> like a doll's eyes. Uh, yeah, it's there. It, I I don't know. It, Speaking it's of just... a doll's eyes, I I do have to say, she looks like they put a like extra large doll's hair on a extra medium person's like body. Her like it's it's not like her hair looks amazing. It's like very long and luscious but it's just weird it's like miss-sized it's like they yeah like <laughs> her wig her wig jumped the shark her bit, wig is because it's very real housewives slash big little lies kind of hair right. where it's like wigs mm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and then lastly she has another moment where she 
Again, we're talking about accusations of fucking insider trading. Yes. Okay, where someone is using their proximity to the decision-making apparatuses, apparatuses in this country to benefit themselves by using this knowledge not to warn the constituents, but to warn her fucking stock portfolio managers how to get her money right. So uh, one of the moderators asked a very fair question, just straight up, you know, should fucking sitting people in Congress be allowed to trade stocks? Senator, should members of Congress be barred from trading stocks? Look, straight up. What's at stake here in this election is the American dream. That's what's under attack. When they attack me for a lie, a left wing media lie conspired with the Democrats by, this is an attack on every single Georgian who gets up every day to work hard to provide a better life for their family to dump their who wants stocks. to live the American dream. Oh my God. Wow. That's what the fuck. Are, that's Her an brain, attack like, on the American dream. To Her brain also ins- like skips a couple sentences and just like there's like a internal edit in the middle of that where like she just goes from one sentence to the next without any like it, it's like halfway through one sentence. She just moves to the next one. It's very uh, uncanny. Scene. Yeah. But that is you very know, Trumpy. Yeah. Mm. It's what I all the Republicans like all these do. People now are taking notes from Trump and they're like, oh, shit. Turns out we don't actually we don't have to directly answer questions. Right. Yeah. Because I think or at the end of the day, any it's version like, of reality. Hey, guys, white is right. Huh? Media. <laughs> huh? Don't worry about me. I'm white. Don't worry about me. If just if I'm making money, don't worry about me. What's Raphael Warnock up to the pastor of a church? Oh, God. What, what could he be doing? Yeah, the it's it's this whole thing of also this like parasocial relationship to the billionaire class, like this fucked up class solidarity where they always disingenuously be like, I mean, they're trying to take my right to fucking skull fuck the stock market and, yeah. you know, fuck over working people. Um, that's an attack against y'all, too. I don't know if you get that poor people. They're coming for you, too. If I can't fucking pillage and just take what, you know, just completely manipulate my stocks with the information I have, that's an attack on you too, y'all. So come on, pull up for me. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an attack on our ability to wake up and work and uh, her, her, her decision to not react with policy to protect the people who she's supposed to be governing, but instead to react with, uh, you know, protecting her own financial position. Uh, right. is an attack pointing that out as an attack on uh the can US. you imagine like any other the situation like you got caught cheating like yeah. in a relationship and they're like oh, you see that's it see, see no we're not doing that right now because yeah. what you're doing is attacking the core values of this country which is the freedom of choice okay <laughs> and i chose to sleep with that other person now right. if we're gonna go there i mean we might have this is a constitutional argument now like, and that's sort of the same disingenuous place they speak from all the time and are almost like they treat decency as absurdity. And right. like, that's the thing now. And they are in a way they've they've effectively communicated that sentiment to a large group of people. So I want to talk about because, I mean, like you were mentioning up top, she was one of, you know, at the time when Trump was saying, we know it's airborne, it's very scary, it's going to be like one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, security uh, problems that we faced as a country in like decades. 
when he was acknowledging that he knew that while saying to the public, it's not as big a deal. She was getting that same information that it was going to be a massive uh, health concern, not doing anything and selling, uh, selling off her stocks. Like she, to reflect the information that she, or to prove that she knew what was actually happening in reality. So that is how uh, U.S. politicians, uh, the people who are responsible for governing our state states, are uh, governing. I think that's a good sample of right. like how how you know broadly uh, just the kind of intellectual corruption of uh, the two parties that run America have uh, affected the people and made it difficult to contain this virus. So. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. So mm. Australia has a counterfactual, a counterpoint to that example in uh, Victoria, which is where the city Melbourne uh, is located. And they were, uh, during the second wave, they were the hardest hit state. Uh, its case numbers were dwarfing those in every other state, including New South Wales, which is where Sydney is. Um and so their policymakers decided to they they listened to a uh, a bunch of experts who came up with this idea to uh, what they were calling go for zero. Which I'm is getting just like, it's just sorry to interrupt. I get aroused when I hear saying, and they're listening to experts. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> fuck, really? Wow, yeah. that's so hot. You're you know you fucking acknowledge what you don't know. Oh, so straight into my veins. They were like, we tried flattening the curve. We tried slowing the spread. We feel like those, you know, because you're trying to just muster public support around a thing that's sort of diffuse and ill-defined, uh, we're going to do this thing called go for zero. Uh, this involved a stage four lockdown uh, where most businesses were closed. There was a nightly curfew. Residents were ordered to stay within five kilometers of their home. Uh, all for all of August and into September um, with the explicit goal of eventually uh, reaching zero new cases. Now, again, this is not some, you know, place that is known for just being obedient. And this is Australia, you know, they, they're pretty rough and tumble they're folks. They're all descendants of convicts. Yeah. Right. They're all, they don't fuck with, it's not like they're just... Not like all, they're all about the rules. Right. Like, like a lot of yeah, former English colonies, some of us don't know how to act sometimes. Right. They wake up and salute the queen every morning. Uh, <laughs> this is Australia. And so they set this goal. They established underlying components that were needed and provided strong social support. So they expanded testing, including random pooled testing and testing for workers in essential industries. Uh, 24-hour turnarounds for test results, contact tracing, mandatory isolation. Um, oh, come and on me, Lord. Mo most importantly, they made it easier for businesses and workers by providing subsidies to businesses to keep people employed <laughs> and by increasing their unemployment benefits. And the, the experts uh, said, a system that relies on self-isolation in which people are unable or refuse to self-isolate cannot succeed. So they enacted policies that made it so you had to isolate and do the things uh, that were necessary to improve public safety. And for four weeks now, they haven't seen a single new case of coronavirus for four weeks. 
They wow. did the very difficult thing. Uh, and it's not complicated. It's, it is difficult. It's hard. They had to make sacrifices, but the government stepped up and was like, okay, we're going to cover the costs to your businesses, to you personally. We're going to cover those costs for the next two months so that thereafter we can get back to something approximating normal life. And now they're down at zero. Now they're, you know, talking, making decisions like, well, if a case, if a, a single case pops up, will we still have normal Christmas, like, you know, shopping and all, all the things that uh, you would expect there to be in any capitalist society? But they are starting from a place of zero new cases in the last four weeks. And Man. yeah, I just think, I mean, the US government is actively choosing not to do the difficult things it would require to stop the pandemic. Like that's what that story tells me. They're not providing the economic safety net. They're not setting a goal for all Americans to follow, AKA leadership. Um, this would definitely be more challenging in the U S since Australia is more politically homogenous, but the U S just isn't even trying. They're not even like beginning the process. Well, cause, yeah, because th these solutions are just r run diametrically opposed to how the American system has operated, which is sort of like, yeah, we help people sometimes. But like, let's be real, man. There's enough money here to be extracted out of the wherever that you should be able to bootstrap it the fuck up the whole time. And right. this idea yeah. that like you have to come through and provide. Yes, that's how you eliminate the need for people to even like have the reason to go outside. Like even like if you were debating someone. If someone's like, well, hey, oh, man, get back in your house. And they say, well, I got to get out here and work, man. I have no fucking choice. What do you want me to fucking do? Like, yeah, not eat or get evicted. No, like I have to be out here. Then you would be like, OK, bet. So then what I have to do is figure out how you I can eliminate those pressures for you. So then all I have to be is like, oh, is it that hard to stay at home? Your rent is paid for. I'm subsidizing your income. Right. All you got to do is stay the fuck at home until this shit blows over. But we don't have that here. It's just like. Hey man, if if you can, God bless. Stay at home, and if you can't, God bless, man. Because shit's rough out there, and yeah. there's no, there's no, um, we just don't have like that real like duty to our citizens that most countries do in general. And what would be tough about implementing this now is people would be like, "Well, we already had a lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. Why yeah. would we do this again? It didn't work the first time." But it's like Australia did like a legit lockdown, where we did like a half-assed lockdown. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not going to get through to most people now at this point. No. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think the only way you could is if you really did bolst like like every yeah, money. Yeah. Every other country got, got the picture. It's like, right. Give them money. Stop the suck of bills and debts and things like that. That unfortunately is like the heartbeat of America, which is sort of like, hey, man, your debts are calling. So you better get out of bed. Take that away. And more people can focus on like. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Damn. Like, it's like that. They're actually paying me to stay home. Right. Hmm. Maybe I don't they're have gonna to get, worry. They're going to get used to it, though. That's we, we have to fight communism slope. so much right. to the point that we can't even let people survive a pandemic uh, by helping them pay for their life while we do a lockdown. Right. Because uh, that, that will be they'd have it too good. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Definitely a very deep problem uh, in the American psyche collectively, uh, but it's the media, it's the 
politicians, like how the media covers the politicians and how the politicians lead uh, that really yeah. is preventing this from happening. And even like when at the beginning we were saying when looking at like the really shitty, you know, when we were comparing other countries lockdown situations to our own very early on. And we're like, why are they reopening? Because like even we're not economists, but you'd think the best version of a reopening situation is one in which you can reopen because you've you have it under control. And being like any business owner, be like it's fu- dude, I can't just open up at twenty five percent with only tw- like fifteen percent right. of the consumers out there. Like the version that's best for me is you get this shit in order, and we can somewhat have some kind of same safety and movement that we did prior. Obviously, with some you know edits here and there but you yeah. think that at that point you can just tell the money it's it's going to run smoother if you eliminate this and just go through the halting of everything for for the interim but ah, right whatever got to keep yeah. the money going yeah <laughs> even if it's worse for the long run that's the thing that seems like a real difference between america now and america when it was supposedly great like during world war ii where they would like do rations and you know uh make sacrifices in the short run for long-term benefit and now it seems like the government and the populace aren't like really down with that but we'll see uh all right let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about pete davidson And we're back, and let's talk about Staten Island. Uh, yeah. Our Victoria, our Melbourne, uh, <laughs> Staten Island. Uh, S-I-N-Y. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, it, there's, there's a bar there that's been getting a lot of attention, and this just comes off the heels of what we were just talking about with Australia. Like, before we get into, like, laughing at, like, businesses that are staying open in the midst of a pandemic, I think it's always important to point out that you know, the thwarting of these restrictions would would be a natural response for anyone when the government gives small businesses fucking no financial recourses whatsoever to stay afloat. You're like, well, then what do I? Yes, people are going to try and stay open because they have to get money. I get that. So I just I'm always thinking of that in the back of my mind is that we just have this barbaric way of handling the whole situation. Yeah, but Miles, see, the thing is that uh, the state of New York is only one of the largest economies on the planet, so uh-huh. there's no way they could fund the businesses staying closed. <laughs> right. it, like Wall Street, like over there. Victoria, the financial center of the globe, Victoria, <laughs> right. Australia. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, it's just so funny, too, because for all these businesses that are like staying open, like they're just like one idea away from embracing socialism, because rather than being like, <laughs> let me infect people with my business, it should be subsidize our lost revenue like you did for the fucking airlines. Why the fuck does a corporation get the day off and I have to almost die every night? Right. It's just it's just one if if you were just like yeah, at the yeah. railway, you just have to pull the fucking thing to get the train to go the fucking other way. You right. know, the energy's still there. It's just going to the wrong fucking station uh, when right. it should be like, give us our fucking money rather than like, let me kill. So anyway, this pub, uh, it's called Max Public House in Staten Island. They've been the focal point of a lot of these like pandemic things. They, were, they declared themselves like an autonomous zone at a certain point to be like, we are therefore like sovereign businesses who don't abide by the laws of the land. Um, and 
they, they are, the manager of this place was arrested again on Sunday night for opening and serving and like being cheeky and just being like, no, I'm just people are coming in and I'm taking donations. Um, mm. And that's what was going on, even though the donation is re- resembles the menu pricing. Um, so he this guy was arrested. He was also like when he was uh, when they were attempting the arrest, he almost fucking like he hit a cop with his car and was like trying to flee. It was very intense. And mm. Pete Davidson has like talked about it on Weekend Update, like just being like, look at these crybabies, you know, like what the <laughs> fuck is that? Like doing his whole thing, like talking shit about it. Right. And after this like arrest, apparently this. So there is a fucking press conference with a lawyer who came out just who goes by the name Mr. Tobacco. And oh he God. wanted to address all the hateration he's seeing from 30 Rock. Uh, he knows who we know who he's talking about to come at Pete Davidson, even like evokes his dead father at a certain point. What I'm just going to play. Just check out again. Imagine what a CD guy who's proclaiming to be a lawyer who doesn't want to be named. First of right. all, wants to just be known as Mr. Tobacco uh, is caping for these people in this culture war battle. That you have mega millionaires who are on the national spotlight, like the folks on Saturday Night Live. Um, and instead of making fun of their friends and the local business owners who are broke and crushed and bankrupt, instead of coming down here as fellow Staten Islanders and standing up for them and bringing a positive light to this thing, what they want to do is go on national TV and try to humiliate the little man when he's down. And to me, that's quite disgusting. And as I mentioned before, my dad was a member of the NYPD. The king of Staten Island's dad was a proud fireman and a great friend of mine. And I saw Staten Islanders heavily come out and support him, his mom, his family and everyone else in a time of need after 9-11 when I cried for his father. So when I hear stuff like this, it hits me emotionally when I think, wow, if you came out of your perch in your affluent neighborhood and came down here and told the liberal left this is a good thing because it's about our freedom and liberty, we probably wouldn't be standing here today talking about a political prisoner who was the victim of, in my view, a political ambush. Mr. Tobacco, oh, please. Wow. Mr. Tobacco. Hey, Mr. Tobacco. Wow. He had the thing where like you you just had enough drinks to get a good performance out. <laughs> right. But you had like a, a quarter sip too many where you start slurring a little bit. Like if you right. if you drink, you know be like you, you have a drink, bro? Right. Just right. to see, you know, we saw his his father there and I'm getting a little emotional. Like the cadence <laughs> was a little like right. could be great acting, could be a little bit of little rum uh go before going out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But this idea of like again, we're seeing the thing where he's like, these businesses are being crushed by who? By who? Right. Right. From what? What is the situation in which that allowed for the crush? Because on some level they do know that people are being adversely affected, but it's like get the fucking connect the next dot, you fuck. It's not Pete Davidson laughing at you. It's that the right. fucking government has absolutely turned their back on people. That's what it is. Right. He he immediately couches it as like a question of liberty and that. But yeah, that's, that's frustrating. It's again, we're just trying to, how do we go that next step? Because it, yes, you're so caught up in this language of freedom or liberty, but there it's absolutely an, like, it's too abstract that the government would have any hand in ensuring their well-being as American citizens. I mean, you know, we've talked before about how 
in other countries, they view the apotheosis of America as the gangster because they just, you know, strong arm people get, get the money they need. And this dude definitely, uh, is given off mobbed up vibes. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. And I think Americans like there, there's a big portion of America that would rather be corrupt than like socialist for, I mean, may, whether that's true or whether that's just like part of the like central myth of America, I feel like the the idea that you know Mr. Tobacco is more American than uh, somebody who's trying I, truly, to unionize. Truly, and it's just like yeah, because all of our stories aren't about helping each other or helping others. The, right. All the stories of America and history about kicking someone's ass, right? Who fucking yeah. wants it? The fucking Brits, bro. I'll kick your ass. The fucking slavers, bro. You get your ass kicked. The Nazis, you're fucking done, bro. Like, it's never like, who needs it? The, the like, uh, people who are handy capable? Like, do we need to, like, actually subsidize better lives for them? The working poor? The invisible homeless? Like, right. it's never, it's just about ass kicking. It's never about yep. fucking embracing. So, yeah, like, it, it totally makes sense that, we're always just defaulting, like, well, who's winning? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Nah, well, here's the deal. We're all losing, actually. <laughs> so how about that? Yeah. All right. And let's do a quick update on the uh, Havana Syndrome. Uh, shout out to Zeitgang. I uh, can't name all of the people who forwarded this article to me, uh, but every time a new, a new development happens, it gets brought to my attention. I appreciate y'all. So the New York Times, a bunch of mainstream media outlets, NPR, wrote about this new report from 19 experts that was commissioned by the State Department. And they're interpreting it as a pretty firm declaration that the Havana Syndrome was the result of a malicious attack with directed microwaves. The report itself doesn't really say that. They basically say that that is possible and the most likely scenario while also making room for the possibility that it's psychosomatic. The symptoms are, you know, the, the things that their interpretation of the report, cause I haven't read all like 60 pages of the report, but the thing that their interpretation of the report leaves out is like how diffuse the symptoms are. There's like this diplomat in China who supp supposedly experienced the same thing but he like heard marbles dropping on the floor above him, whereas all the people in Cuba heard like a high pitched whine. Uh, it's so which right, can you give me like a quick um, summary of what this is? Oh yeah, sorry. So I just like <laughs> launched into this assuming. All right, I'm like, so what marbles? Havana. <laughs> it's a really good point. Thank you, Allison. So, so the Vanna syndrome is basically. A bunch of diplomats in Havana from 2016 to 2018 started like hearing weird noises and then suffering symptoms of like uh, nausea, uh, confusion, forgetfulness. Some of them like lost their balance for like prolonged periods. And they speculated that they were the victims of like a targeted attack. And it started spreading. There were like, you know, 40 of them in the Havana location, this led to the Trump administration pulling diplomats out of Cuba 
Um, a lot of them are also like CIA agents who are like undercover as diplomats. But basically, the weapons that they described in the first place are not possible via physics. Like, there's no way to do a sound wave thing. Like, and not only that, but like scientists like don't think that you could cause the problems that they're uh, describing with sound waves. And the more that people have reported on it, the more there's a very plausible case that it is, in fact, like psychosomatic. Um, And that basically, you know, they were in new environments. For instance, they recorded the sound that they thought was making it that was coming from the weapon. And biologists were like, that's actually just a type of cricket that's only in Cuba that you've never heard before. So they were hearing weird sounds, feeling weird ways. Um, And the question is whether like the actual physical symptoms were psychosomatic or whether they were caused by what uh, the State Department is now speculating are microwave weapons. And they're pretty clearly uh, connecting it to Russia. They're like, Russia has experimented with these before. but nobody, like a lot of countries have have experimented with trying to create microwave weapons that are untraceable, like these appear to be, uh, and can be targeted like this. And people like don't even get beyond the initial testing phase. It's just not a thing that scientists think is feasible. Um, so the New York Times, uh, so here's a here's a quote from the new New York Times article. They say, Though couched in careful scientific language, the new report reveals strong evidence that the incidents were the result of a malicious attack. It attributes the illness to directed and pulsed rather than continuous energy, implying that the victim's exposure was targeted and not the result of more common sources of microwave energy, such as cell phones. Um, but that's that's like a very specific interpretation of the events like that. They basically went looking for a imaginary weapon that could possibly explain these symptoms and came up with these microwave weapons again that no U.S. scientist is aware of. Yeah, they don't exist. So I think that we probably underestimate how uh, open the New York Times and like our uh, national media are to being influenced by government you know, either propaganda or the CIA, like false information being planted by the CIA, even in stories that don't involve the CIA and the story directly involves the CIA. So I get the sense that that's what's happening here is that the CIA and the State Department are like leaning on your New York's Times and uh, NPRs to kind of take this very specific interpretation, make it seem like, okay, so nobody was imagining anything. Um, it's a very, I think the whole way it's being covered severely, uh, underrates like the strangeness and physical reality of the placebo effect. And, you know, the possibility that psychosomatic illnesses are real. They actually have manifestations in the body. It's not, nobody's making anything up. They're experiencing the symptoms it's just the cause of the symptoms is not some outside like laser beam. It's in fact the fact that they had heard there was an outside laser beam that was targeting them, heard a weird noise, and were experiencing a lot of symptoms that 
come along with like aging, like, you know, forgetfulness and less energy and um, loss of equilibrium. Those are all things that happen with aging. Um, so I don't like re in reading this, I am no more convinced that it is an actual like uh, sci-fi weapon uh, that we don't know about. I think that version is very interesting. And like, I, I hope to find evidence that really suggests that that is what's happening here. I just like, haven't seen it in any of the reporting on, on the examinations. And then the other option I think is equally interesting and is being discounted as like, just I think people like one of the most overlooked mysteries in our day-to-day -day lives is the power of the human mind to cause physical changes in the body. Like the placebo effect is something that all scientists have to acknowledge that like the color of a pill you take before bedtime affects how your body goes to sleep. The ability of placebos to affect someone's recovery from surgery, like that it changes our body in ways that like doesn't seem like it should be possible and it's also like a limit of the scientific method because like anything that is regards the human mind like that is limited by the heisenberg principle of like being able to observe it by observing it you're changing how it actually functions and so it's like the the idea that this central scientific mystery could cause like a world war is like kind of uh, just as big a mind fuck as the idea that Russia has like some secret sci-fi weapon that they're hiding from us. Right. Um, but or just, or is there anything to the, like the, the way they're even contextualizing it is net, like complete, like sort of eliminated the possibilities that it could be like, cause they're just very myopically looking at like certain. Well, they, so they made it, made the possibility of, uh, psychosomatic um psychological like causes possible in the early days and like that's always been something that's being considered but the people who suffered it are really like rail against that and are right. really pissed and feel like they're being abandoned like there's a whole movement of people who retired because of these injuries and are like you're leaving us out to dry you're calling us crazy and that's not what that means in any case. And yeah, there's just, it's a, it's a very complicated, again, like the, anytime you are dealing with a illness with a psychological cause, like just the suggestion of that is kind of puts you in this mind fuck quandary of like, well, by saying that that's the cause, then that affects the psyche of the person for whom that is true. And therefore, you know, it just like keeps going down this weird reflexive rabbit hole that is kind of impossible to deal with. So it's like this fissure in the scientific method like that we are seeing like kind of open up a little bit and get more attention to the point that it could cause heightened tensions with Russia, which is always scary. So yeah. pretty, maybe they just need some Palo Santo. I yeah. think that might be where we're at. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The CIA uh, is notoriously uh, underutilizes Palo Santo and other uh, smudging and nah, you know, Jack, energy CIA, clearing. Nah, rooms. Jack, CIA flooded the streets of Silver Lake with Palo Santo, <laughs> man. You don't know, man. You don't know. subdue these hipsters, bro. That's right. Trying to keep us distracted. Yeah. Trying um, to keep everybody. Shop at Antoine and shut up. 
holding crystals and not looking at socialism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Looking at social media. <laughs> yeah, not socialism. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, shout out to Natalie Schur, who continues to be very interesting to read on this subject. And uh yeah, if anybody has interesting, you know, I've read the I've read the straightforward like mainstream media articles, but if you're seeing people who have interesting takes or other interpretations or pieces of evidence that I'm missing that point to it having a physical origin, like, please hit me up on social. Uh, Cause this is not a thing where I'm like, I've made up my mind. I think no matter what is going on, this is so interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fellow Havana truthers. Yeah. Yeah. Holler. The Havana Knights, but with a Kenyan. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Bang. That would that would be an NBA team right now, an if, idea, uh, yeah. <laughs> in an alternate history. Uh, Al- Allison, where uh, can people find you and follow you? And what's a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? I can be found on Twitter at Just About Glad. And also, if you have an Audible subscription, you can listen to my Audible original, Like Mother, starring me and Susie Essman. Oh, nice! What it is, Susie Essman? Wow. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, Holy but, shit! Yeah, it, it's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> That's she, not your mom, right? She not. Oh, in real life? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did uh, I miss something? No. Is Allison's mom Susie Essman? <laughs> Allison using the stage name. Mom, can you do a podcast with me? <laughs> Allison Essman to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, she plays my mom though. Which in must the be great show. So that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Oh, man, love Susie. It's it's cool to work with her. Yeah, very cool. <sighs> She's like very funny. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Woo. And okay, here's a funny tweet that I liked uh, from Nick Nemiroff at Nick Nemiroff. He wrote, "If you live in Seattle, please shop local and buy from Amazon." <laughs> <laughs> nice, solving the world one tweet at a time. Uh, Miles, where can people find you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, other podcasts, 420 Day Fiance. And you know, Twitter, I haven't, uh, nothing, I haven't been on social media recently. So, unfortunately, uh, I will, I will defer to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of tweets I've been enjoying. Uh, Jason Narducci. Uh, that can't be his real name. Split Narducci. single band. Narducci. Uh, tweeted retweeted a headline that we actually didn't talk about on today's episode uh giuliani berates reporters for questioning election claims saying i know crimes i can smell them and jason said not anymore uh (laughs) because he has covid uh garmer four at fourth dog tweeted i keep thinking about this and it's a screen cap of a uh post on r physics on reddit that says what to do if I have theories? And then in the comments, <laughs> I contacted a college and they ignored me. <laughs> Yo, university, I got theories. UCLA. Yo, I got, hold on. Hey, can I talk to you low key? Yo, I got theories, man, about some physics shit that could upend everything we know. And then oh. Ben Acker uh, tweeted, there should be a part between dreams and wake up where your brain has to explain what it was going for. Uh... <laughs> And you that find- is <laughs> a notes session. Right a notes session with your subconscious. Yeah. Okay. 
was a little okay, sweaty what? brain, but yeah. Can... And, and tell me, why were you fighting underwater? Why were you and your bully <laughs> fighting underwater? Yeah. Um, anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we riding out on today? Oh, yeah, it's a bit of Scotty, isn't it? On the new track called Scoop. So, yeah, we're going to ride out on that one as well, isn't it? Scoop. Yeah, this is a track from Scuddy, S-C-U-T-I, or Scuddy. Uh, if you're really hitting it with that twang, uh, and the track is called Scoop, S K O O W U P, uh, but it's just like it's like very laid back, uh, like London rap uh, from mm. this like female MC who's just dope. I don't know. I was just listening to the track, and I just like, you know how sometimes like rappers are just like they're um, very like minimal with their lyricism, and, and I don't even mean that euphemistically. Like there, there's not doesn't need to be a lot of wordplay. Like it's almost like okay, your swag is just kind of like describe shit in a rhyming way. Uh, this is what I like about Scuddy and the vibe here on this track. So yes, school up right. indeed. All right, we're gonna ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Scoo, what? They're really in love with Scooty. But Scooty in love with Lizzie. And my bed and my mother like Jizzy. If you want to touch clouds, then you better come with me. Everyday grind and stack, so chilling with snakes is risky. Scoo, what? I know they in love with Scooty. I know it. But Scooty in love with Lizzie. And my bed and my mother like Jizzy. If you wanna touch clouds, then you better come with me. Everyday grind a stack, so chilling with snakes is risky. I can't lie, man, I love my green. You could say that I'm real healthy.